Hello, I'm Dan Mullins. Welcome to My Camino, a weekly podcast introducing you to people who have walked the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James in northeastern Spain. Pilgrims have walked the journey for well over a thousand years, arriving in the beautiful Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, home to the majestic Romanesque cathedral where the remains of Christ's apostle St. James, the Great, are on display. Each week I'll profile someone from a different part of the world and I'll find out what motivated them to make the trip, what they carried, where they stayed, what they loved or perhaps didn't love about their journey. So I thought it was only fair, therefore, that I tell you in this first podcast a little bit about my Camino. I'm a 50-year-old radio producer and broadcaster from Sydney, Australia. I'm a father of three and grandfather of one, or as I learned on my Camino, soy un padre de tres hijos y tengo una nieta. I work on the top-rating radio program in Australia. And I walked my Camino, my first, in the last week of July and first two weeks of August 2016. And if you've been on the Camino before or you've walked it many times, you'll know that I've caught the bug. I walked alone. And I can honestly say, if you're thinking of walking alone, go right ahead, because you'll meet plenty of people along the way. Indeed, I found that if I wanted company, I could always find someone to walk with, and if I wanted to walk alone, I could as well. People would sometimes slow down to meet you or speed up to move away from you, and I did exactly the same thing. So as I say, if you want company, you can easily find it, no matter where you are. I averaged about 28 kilometres a day, and on those shorter days, I walked just about 8 kilometres or thereabouts. Oh, by the way, I'm talking in kilometres because the measurements on the Camino are in kilometres. Plenty of people have days off. It all depends on, on how you're feeling. And you'll learn through your research, and indeed if you've walked it yourself, that many people get blisters. And if I could give you one piece of advice... It would be to make sure you've walked in your shoes before you head over there. Too many people arrive without wearing in their shoes and they have blisters from day one. And even though there are some pretty tricky ways to treat blisters, quite ingenious ways in actual fact, and you can get over them reasonably quickly if you manage them properly, you can have blisters from day one, you can have trouble throughout the journey, but once you get them, you've got strife. So wearing your shoes before you go over. Look, I trained for six weeks before I left. I guess I walked on average an hour a day. And the week before I left, I actually did one day's walk of 36 kilometers around Sydney. I actually lost six kilograms before I left and another six kilograms on the Camino. And if you lose the weight before you go, it means you don't have to carry it while you're there. Losing 10 pounds before you go is 10 pounds less you have to carry. So I flew into Madrid on a picture-perfect Saturday morning, spent one night in the capital before catching a train to León and a second train to Zahun, where I began my Camino. I only had three weeks on holidays, so I measured a distance backwards from Santiago and found Zahun, and as it turned out, it is exactly halfway along the Camino. 
I began spending a night in the 16th century Benedictine convent and received a Camino blessing from the nuns the night before I began walking. I really was a very inexperienced peregrino or pilgrim. The nuns invited us up to the altar for a blessing and they said to all of us standing around, there was about six or eight of us, the first person, you know, uh, they, they said something in Spanish and I didn't speak any Spanish, uh, a little bit by the end, but none at the start. And they asked each of the people the questions. And when they came to me, I said, Dan. And then when they said to the woman beside me, what they, they said something to her, she said, Mexico. <laughs> so they were asking you where you were from, not your name, but Nonetheless, the blessing was still bestowed upon us. And we walked out of that church that evening, refreshed, looking forward to a walk ahead. One of my most special occasions occurred that very night when I met Bert and Luisa from the Netherlands. Luisa was walking uh, and was dying and was going to be walking all the way to Santiago and had walked all the way from the Netherlands. Bert was walking this last section with, with his beautiful wife, but had not walked all of that distance, had joined only for the last month or so that they were going to walk. They weren't walking very far every day. But I said, but you're clearly, you're not well. You're, you're telling me you're not well. She said, I just want to walk it. I want to walk the Camino. It's what I want to do. So I spent only the one night with them. Uh, we shared a bottle of wine and dinner and later smoked some cigars on the up on the balcony overlooking the small town of Sahun. It truly was magic, and I kept them in my heart uh, for the whole of my Camino, hoping that their Camino was everything they hoped it would be. That was Sahun. I woke at six the next morning, and off I went on my way. So I started in Sahun and walked to uh, Relegos on that first night, then Relegos into Leon, which is about 25 k's, Leon to San Martin del Camino, it's about 26 k's. Uh, then San Martin del Camino to Astorga, which was absolutely spectacular. I loved it. Astorga, just beautiful. Then Astorga to Ponferrada, which is only about a two-hour walk the next day. Ponferrada to Rabanel del Camon, 20 k's or thereabouts. Uh, Rabanel to Molina Seca, which is a beautiful riverside town. Molina Seca to Villafranco del Bierzo which is about 31 kilometers, and the beautiful wineries around there. That really is a gorgeous, gorgeous walk. Then from Villafranca to Othebrero, which is the highest peak of the entire walk. And when I was there, it was the middle of summer, as I said, and it was freezing cold. It really was very, very cold. The albergue doesn't serve you a blanket. So I slept that night in absolutely everything I had taken with me, and it was cold. Othobrero the following day to Saria, then a following day, an easy walk down to Samos and stayed in that magnificent old monastery there from Samos to Porto Marin. It's a, quite a walk, about 38 k's. Uh, but that was spectacular. Porto Marin to Palestra Rey, which I loved as well. Then the next day on to Adura, Adura to Oporedo, and then the last day into Santiago de Compostela. So just for the record, I caught a bus from Santiago back to Madrid, which is about a 10-hour trip, and it cost me about 35 euros. So when you think about a 10-hour bus trip, you're most probably thinking, oh, the horror, the horror. Well, in actual fact, after walking every day for the last 16 days, and some days walking as far as 38 k's, I actually didn't mind 
I, I just sort of read a newspaper and, and, and it stops, the bus stops every couple of hours for you to get off and stretch your legs and have a bite to eat, a cup of coffee. It really wasn't too bad. And that is that 35 euros or thereabouts is a pilgrim's rate. So you get a special deal if, you get a, if uh, you're a pilgrim. And in actual fact, the bus company office is in the pilgrim's office in Santiago. So you just simply go out of one door into another and you can book your bus home. But if you want to, you can book in advance. Just be mindful that uh, you can sometimes encounter difficulties in terms of language if you're trying to, to book over the phone. Uh, with those transport companies, that was just my experience. I couldn't, so I just waited till I got there. I took a risk, I guess. I took a risk, but I had no trouble. And it was the peak of summer, so it was very busy. Although not as busy as the lead into summer and the lead out of summer, those sort of six to eight weeks or or nine, ten weeks of the heat, real heat peak of summer when I went, are not quite as busy as the months before and the months after, or so I've been told. So. You're often asking people as you're walking and talking before you go and talking subsequently after you have come home, how much did you carry and what did you carry? So what was in your backpack and and, and what did you need and what didn't you need? So I'll give you a basic example and each week I'll speak to somebody who's done the Camino and I'll ask them what they carried, what they perhaps might have left at home. Um, Did they think that they they forgot something that they desperately wanted or needed? Um, Because when you're out there, although there's little shops in in most towns you go through, you can pick up toiletries, uh, deodorant, soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, things like that. Um, That's no problem, but you want what you like, and sometimes you can't always find that. Um, Pilgrims hand wash their clothes each day. So a general rule of thumb, you would get up first thing in the morning, a quick bite to eat, and then get out and walk. And then you get to the next your destination that day, and people walk all range of varied distances from five kilometres a day to 50 kilometres a day or even more. And when you get in, you get changed, have a shower, and you hand wash your clothes. And being in the middle of summer, as I keep saying, I, your shirt, your, your shorts, your socks would be dry in an hour. And there were plenty of times, unfortunately, when I forgot to take them in. And this, even though it's the middle of summer, dew would fall overnight and they would be wet. And I'd go out in the morning and my clothes would be damp. So you try and remember to take them off before the sun goes down. That's a memo to me as well as a memo to you. So how much did I carry? I carried about 10 pounds, so 4.5 kilos. Um, I carried a 500 milliliter bottle of water, a half a liter, in a sleeve outside the backpack. And in it, inside, I had two pairs of socks, two pairs of underpants, a spare t-shirt, spare shorts, a little camping towel, a fleece long sleeve top, a pair of long pants, my toiletries, and I have very fair skin, so I had two tubes of sun cream, a wet weather poncho, which I didn't use, and I also had a pair of scuff sandals uh, strapped to the outside of my bag to wear around after I'd finished hiking for the day. Now, the question, what could I have left behind? Well, I'm going to say the poncho. I took so little, there was really nothing I could have left behind, but the poncho didn't rain, not once, not one day. It didn't even, well, there were days in a row that I didn't see a cloud. So I could have left that, I guess I guess I could have left it behind, but you'd need a poncho. And I'll ask all my guests each week what was their motivation for walking the Camino. 
Well, mine was the fact that I was turning 50. Uh, I wanted to do something special for my birthday. And my mother had read Shirley MacLaine's book about the Camino and we talked about it years ago. So I knew of the, of the journey some years before. Now, I'm an old musician, a guitarist and singer, and I thought I'd have a party to celebrate my 50th. And of course, I'd play in the band and I'd end up spending, I guess, a small fortune so my friends could get drunk at my expense. <laughs> so my wife said, why don't you go and do that walk in Spain you've been talking about for years? I said, oh, I wasn't sure about spending the money. And I'm, I guess I guess, in all honesty, I'm averse to doing things kind of out of the ordinary. Um, it's not something that I would do, just pack up and go. Anyway, I came home a week later and the ticket was on the bench. The ticket to Spain. Uh, a birthday present, a 50th birthday present from my family. And I actually arrived at the end of my Camino. I arrived in Santiago on my 50th birthday. And it was very special. Uh, it was spectacular. I hadn't expected to be as moved as I was. And uh, having that extra sentiment behind my arrival, the wind, if you like, in my sails, it was truly magnificent. It really was. And I'll get to that later. I'll, I'll talk to you about my motivation. Uh Look, I, I met so many people from different countries along the way. Manuela from Spain asked to walk with me so she could practice her English. I walked with three Canadians, wonderful human beings, a tribute to their country, Miles, Kevin and Doug. And I walked with a Japanese woman, Yokio, Tanya from Nigeria, Chila and Agnieszka from Hungary, 17-year-old Betty from Germany, who I called the Chancellor, her countryman, Philip, a beautiful human being, Giuseppe from Italy and his beautiful wife, Katia. Now, that's just on one hand. A handful of the people that I walked with. It's too many to name. People I met. People from all walks of life, all ages, and people walking all sorts of different distances and people walking for all different motivations. I met two other Australians on the whole trip, only two. And remarkably, both were named Jenny, which is my wife's name. Jenny from Sydney and Jenny from the Gold Coast. And they were absolutely delightful. People often ask, is language an issue? Uh, not really. Google Translate is fantastic. And most people have the mobile phone with them and Google Translate works very, very well. Um, I used it a lot. In fact, I had a very dear friend who I met on the on the trail and I hope one day to cross paths with him again, Pedro and his beautiful wife, Pina. And he didn't speak any English at all. But we managed to communicate one afternoon. We spent a whole afternoon together communicating via Google Translate and ended up being great mates. Uh, I, I don't have time in this half-hour podcast to tell you the stories about Pedro, but they are truly, truly deep in my heart. So I had virtually no Spanish. I did learn along the way to say, one bed for the night, please. Una cama para pasar el noche, por favor. <laughs> when I walked into the wonderful albergue Viera in San Martin del Camino, I said to the host, the hospitalero, Una cama para pasar el noche, por favor. And she laughed <laughs> out loud, said, that is the worst Spanish I have ever heard. But, she said, thank you for trying. So that's the key. Have a go. Because they really appreciate it. They really do. 
we got on famously. As I said earlier, I'm an old musician. I played into the wee hours, uh, and we had a great night sitting around by the swimming pool. Uh, if I can recommend an albergue for you in San Martin del Camino, it's on the left as you walk into town, just as you're heading into town. Uh, the albergue Vera, and I think from memory it was eight euros. And I shared a room with four, for there were four beds, two double bunks in my room. Uh, we had a wonderful night. The food was exquisite, and we had a wonderful night singing. There was a group of, of Spanish couples, five couples and their five sons, who walked together. And I did a lot of walking with them, and I did a lot of drinking with them, and I did a lot of singing with them. Uh, because they sang just absolutely beautifully uh, and surprised. We surprised each each other with our love for music and shared many, many wonderful nights uh, on the Camino. There's music everywhere. And you walk into a cafe or into a bar and look up on the wall and there'll be a guitar with Please Play Me written across the top. In fact, in the town of Ardura, the... the, the I ended up playing all night. I, I, we, we danced in the street. We played in the bar. We played outside the bar. We played upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. And at the, at the end of the night, I said, oh, listen, I'll, I'll pay my, uh, my bill. She said, you, you, you've paid us 10 times over. You don't pay here. You come back. Every time you come back here, you are a guest of ours. And I said, well, I'll come back one day and I'll sing for my supper again. And they thought that was so great. Sing for your supper. So... That is in the back of my mind to do next time I go, I have to say, to sing for my supper. So that's the go in terms of language. Have a crack. They really appreciate it. Look, there were so many highlights on my trip. It's difficult to name just one. But that's what I'll try to do each week is ask my guest for just one. I'm going to go personally with La Cruz de Ferro, the Iron Cross. Uh, It's atop a timber post. And it really surprised me when it loomed on the horizon midway between Astorga and Molanaseca. You take with you on your Camino a stone from where you began your walk and you throw it onto the cairn of stones at the foot of the cross. You say a prayer. Many write a prayer on a piece of paper or cloth and leave it attached to the cross. I was quite overwhelmed when I saw it, crying like a three-year-old. It was a kind of cleansing, I think. It really was a special occasion. I handed my phone to somebody a young fellow asked him to video it for me, and that's one of my treasured possessions and memories from the Camino. I decided to walk the Camino to celebrate my 50th birthday. And I decided to do something different in how I would go about that. So I wondered on the flight over, and indeed walking the weeks beforehand, before I left Australia, I wondered how I might reconcile all of this time that I would have? How, how, would I, how would I occupy my thoughts? And it, in fact, it was Louisa uh, from the Netherlands who I met on the first night who said, you, don't, you needn't worry about that. After three days, all of that will be gone. I said, I, I, had, I, could, I couldn't fathom what she meant by that. It, it simply didn't make sense, which is because I hadn't walked the Camino. Of course, three days later, she was 100% correct. It had all fallen away and you, you just walk and enjoy the serenity of it all. But I had a plan, and that was that each day I would take five years of my life, zero to five, five until 10, 10 to 15, 15 to 20, up to 50, and I would think only of those five years, only of those five years, 
I wouldn't think about anything else. If work or my family came into my mind, I would cast them aside. I'd say, no, just try and remember every single thing you can possibly remember about those five years. So friends, family, work, culture, music, movies, conflict, regrets, things that made me angry, things that made me sad, things that made me worried, things that I could have done better, things I didn't do as well as I could have, but wasn't my fault. I thought about old girlfriends, old friends I should be catching up with again. I thought about so much, so often in those hours that by the time I thought it was finished for that day that those five years were complete, I said, okay, that's done. And so I would say a small prayer, though I'm not overly religious. I have been born and bred a Catholic. I would say a short prayer. And then I would sing a short song that I made up on my Camino. And then those five years were finished. Gone. No more. When I got to the end of my 50th, so I had done now 10 of these, 10 of these, I suppose, cleansing processes, if you like, for want of a better term, I decided it was finished. It would be finished at the end of the 50. I was walking up a small hill toward a town, I think it was called Monteverde. And as I was walking toward it, I said, that's it, it's finished. And I felt a huge weight off my shoulders. I left those 50 years on the Camino. I left the first 50 years of my life in Spain. No regrets. I'm not angry about anything. I don't hold any grudges. And it's enabled me, now that I'm back, to realize and, and to convince myself that all of those things while they make us who we are, we carry far too much luggage around with us. We don't need it all. We need just a few simple things to cherish, to make us happy and to make us sad. And the rest we just simply leave behind. So that's what made it special for me. And I'll ask my guests each week, what made it special for you? I have to say another highlight was the Spanish people. The albergues or the pilgrims' hostels along the way will cost you an average of about 5 to 10 euros a night. And you meet the most wonderful people there. You meet beautiful people that will make you laugh and make you cry. And, and listen, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, that make you angry too. I remember in the town of Aldura, being woken up, what on earth is this, is this noise? This, somebody is clapping. In the middle of the night, I said, what on earth? And I looked across in the dark. I could see the gentleman, I suppose in his 60s, who was sleeping in the bunk opposite me on the lower bunk, walking around, clapping his hands. I said, what, what are you doing? He said, I, I tried to stop at a snoring. And I said, you've woken everybody else up. Now, he said, I can't wake this woman up. I can't wake this woman. She snored, snored, listen, driving me crazy. So he was trying to wake her up. 
and they snore like you've never heard anything like it in your life. You swear they're trying to drag the fridge in from the kitchen. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. It is just quite extraordinary. There will be people snoring. There will be people coming back late after having too much to drink. There will be people sleepwalking and sleep talking. There will be people going up in the middle of the night, turning lights on. One thing I learned on the very first night was don't take plastic bags with you. So if you want to put your sneakers or your dirty clothes in a bag, make it a cloth bag because the the noise of a plastic bag in the middle of the night is enough to drive you crazy. (laughs) And if somebody's in the bed above you or below you and you have um, a plastic bag, you can wake up half a dozen people if you want to leave early. As I did, I should have mentioned that, I, I headed off each day at 6 a.m. so that I could beat the heat of the day. So I could walk six or eight hours and be finished in, in at the next town, or not the next town, but my destination by 2 p.m. and meet, avoid the hottest part of the day, which is after after lunch. And, and I'd have a siesta each day um, for an hour or something, uh, have a shower, wash, hand wash my clothes, go and have a sleep or siesta, which was magnificent, and then wake up feeling fresh, energized, ready to explore the town, go out and meet other pilgrims. And then as sun doesn't go down until very late, 9, 9.30, and all of the albergues have a closing time. You have to be back by a certain time. Uh, a lot of people complain about that, but I think it's actually not such a bad thing because you don't want people coming in in all hours of the night because they will. If they've got the opportunity, they will. Uh, a couple of other things that I, I wanted you to know, and, and these, again, are things that I'll share each week. You can get a pilgrim's meal in most towns and city. A three-course meal will set you back about 10 euros. And the food, I have to say, was excellent. Uh, So was the wine and so was the beer. Uh, A little too good some nights. (laughs) But that's that's the price you pay. And you have to walk it off the next day because that is another brilliant thing about the Camino. All you have to do the next day is walk. (laughs) It's no commitments, no responsibilities. You don't have to get to your destination if you don't want to. All you have to do is walk. I know the night before I completed my Camino, I was sitting in an outdoor restaurant and I was asked by my three Canadian friends that by that time there were only two. One had broken a fetlock. But I was asked by the two Canadians, how would I describe the Camino to people when I returned home? Well, the answer to that is very simple. I couldn't and still can't adequately describe it. I've seen it described as mystical and spiritual. It is certainly both. But it's also something more, and it's something you can't quite put your finger on. And something I've learned since arriving home, it's calling me back. I think everyone who does the Camino is called back. The question is, will you answer the call? I will. I will return to finish my Camino. And I hope I never finish. I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for listening. Buon Camino. Buon Camino.